Every year on Epiphany, we tell the story of the wise ones, the Magi, and how these non-Jewish foreigners were drawn in by the light of a star and left changed by what they had found. Lots of political, religious, and cultural drama swirls around their story in the form of the fearful and jealous King Herod. But whatever the wise ones saw in Bethlehem, it causes them to risk their own lives to protect this precious new life and light of the world. This is the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise ones came from the east to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of the Lord. So did you know that when you look up into the night sky, you're looking back in time? Yes, this is because those stars are so far away from us that it takes their light years and years and years to reach us. So like the constellation Orion is 670 light years away. So the light that we see left that star around the time of the Hundred Years' War between France and England, like 1370. Did you know that every element on Earth, the nitrogen in our DNA, the iron in our blood, the calcium in our teeth, the carbon in our apple pies, every element on Earth was formed in the burning core of a collapsing star. We are all literally made of stardust. Did you know that the fact that you are sitting here today means that for 3.8 billion years, every single one of your pertinent ancestors on both sides was attractive enough to find a mate, healthy enough to reproduce, sufficiently blessed by fate and circumstances to live long enough to do so, that means that not a single one of your forebearers was squashed, starved, stranded, stuck fast, devoured, drowned, or distracted in any way 
from the charge of delivering a tiny bit of genetic material to the right partner at the right time to create the only possible hereditary sequence that could result in you. You are a living, breathing miracle. So 2,000 something years ago, those three wise men or women, they look up at a star. And I wonder how far away that star was, right? How far back in time were they looking as they followed its light through the sky? Maybe they were looking back to the time when their people were slaves in Egypt and they were longing for a savior who could set them free. Maybe they're looking back in time to when their people were lost in the wilderness and longing for somebody who could lead them home. Maybe they're looking back in time to when their people were exiles in Babylon and longing for a savior who could bring some hope during a very, very, very dark and difficult time. Maybe they weren't looking at a star at all. Maybe they were looking at a planet. Maybe they were looking at the conjunction of Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn that occurred around 7 to 6 BCE. Whatever they were looking at, there they were, those wise men and women, made of nitrogen and calcium and iron and carbon, just like us, made of stardust, just like us, the product of billions of years of being in the right place at the right time, a living, breathing miracle just like us. And what do you think that was like, hey? When they finally find that baby? After all that traveling and following the star, trying to figure out where they go, and they finally get there. And they see him. And they're just like overwhelmed, right? Overwhelmed with joy, it says, and they fall to their knees. And then they pull out the very best and share the very best of everything that they have with him. And I just can't even imagine what that would have been like to see the savior of the universe lying there in his mother's arms. Total awe, right? So I will never forget my very first Christmas Eve. Christmas was a huge deal in my family growing up. We had tons and tons of traditions for Christmas Eve. So every Christmas Eve, we would read Christmas books, the same ones each year, watch Christmas movies, the same ones each year. We would have breakfast food for dinner, especially cinnamon rolls. We would drive around town looking for Christmas lights on houses, and anytime anyone saw me, I have to go, lights, 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 lights. Then we would drive to the beach, we would go out to the edge of the water, and we would shout, Merry Christmas, out across the water as loud as we possibly could. We had so many traditions. Oh, wait, wait, I forgot. Then when we get home from that, then we have to leave cookies out for Santa and the elves, and we would leave like fir boughs and grass out for the reindeer because in Washington there still was grass in December. So you'd leave that out for the reindeer. We'd leave the reindeer snacks on the porch, but by Christmas morning they would somehow have gotten tracked into the house and there would be this note written in wobbly, like left-handed looking writing 
from the reindeer and the elves and Santa thanking us for these gifts. So we had so many traditions. We'd be up till like one in the morning just trying to finish all of the traditions. But we didn't go to church. We weren't a religious family. We weren't a Christian family. And so even though we had all of these traditions, mangers and Mary and Joseph and Jesus and church service just wasn't part of it. And then... So when I became a Christian, I was 17, and I got baptized in the summer. So that Christmas, that Christmas of my 18th year, that was my first Christian holiday ever. And because my parents are incredibly supportive, even when their seemingly normal daughter becomes a Jesus freak, that year, in the middle of all of those traditions, we paused between the driving around to look at lights and the reading of the Christmas books, we paused and went to the Christmas Eve service. And we had no idea it was going to be so packed, so we are like, came in at the last second, probably late. We're up, so we're up in the balcony, right? So I'm up above everyone else, and I'll just never forget that moment in the service when all of the lights have gone off, and everyone has their candle, and looking down from above as they each hold that light up and you see the, just the sea of golden flames in front of you. I just started crying because it was so beautiful and it was so touching to me, this idea that somebody, anybody, let alone the God of the universe, would leave behind everything else and come to be with me in my darkness. And Christmas has just never been the same for me since. And so all the other parts of Christmas are awesome, right? Like, the, you know, all those traditions and games and rituals and family and friends, all of that stuff is awesome. But that's awesome in like a woohoo fun kind of awesome. And the Christ part of Christmas, that's awesome. Like awe-inspiring make you catch your breath, maybe even shed a tear, um, feel that feeling of something expanding in your chest, and just be struck by the wonder of it all. That's what Christmas is, the wonder. I wonder. I wonder if everything stars and planets and science. I wonder if trees and leaves and photosynthesis, what if all of that stuff is put on earth by God to wow us? Right? What if trees and mountains and rivers, those are all things that God planned in advance just to knock our socks off? What if God created this world and placed us in it and saw that it was good and that we were very good, but thought maybe it can be even better, grander. And what if God keeps coming back and coming back and coming back like a crazy mad scientist who's always in the lab cooking up new ways to show us God's love? Because that's what love is, right? Like when you love somebody, you want to show it. You want to wow them. You want to knock their socks off. And so what if 
That's the kind of love that God has for us. It's the kind of love that never sits still. It's always rolling, it's moving, it's contagious. It never runs out of ways to express itself. And so I think maybe that baby born in Bethlehem, that was just the latest in a long and eternal line of ways that God wants to wow us with love. Because that wasn't the first time that God did something stunning and mind-blowingly unexpected to show us God's love, and it definitely won't be the last. But it's the one that we celebrate this time of year. So as we wrap up the Christmas season and we head out into Epiphany and keep learning week by week more and more about who Jesus is and what that means for us and how we live. May we take the time to wonder. May we notice the miracle of trees and stars and our own existence. And may we let ourselves be wowed by God's love. Amen.